Welcome to Proximity Health's podcast series, where we explore current and emerging issues of the healthcare landscape. In this discussion, we will focus on understanding the trend to shift infusions to the home and other sites, and the impact of this shift on patient care and provider organizations. With us is Julie Kernerly Shaw, Assistant Director of Pharmacy at the James Cancer Center at Ohio State University. Thank you for joining us today, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. So perhaps it's easiest for us if you can just start us off and briefly describe your organization in terms of your geographic footprint, the reach, the patients as it relates to the James Cancer Center. We are an academic center. We have the third largest cancer hospital in the United States. Last year, we had over 100,000 inpatient visits, over 650,000 outpatient visits. We have 600 active clinical trials and a team of around 200 disease-specific oncologists that see patients at our six outpatient clinic and infusion centers. We try to align our our pharmacy services with the disease-specific center care model. And we have six outpatient infusion centers associated with an in-house specialty and retail pharmacy. And so in terms of, James, do you also utilize other sites or models like an affiliated practice or partners? Or do you mainly see your patients either inpatient or within one of your six outpatient clinics? We do have affiliates that we share resources with, including our electronic medical record, our chemotherapy order sets, and then we serve as a referral center for them for more complex hematology and oncology patients. Okay. And are these affiliates mainly within your geographic region or is it a more national affiliate program? I would say within our geographical region, so we are a pretty small footprint in terms of central Ohio from the infusion centers and clinics that we own and operate, but our affiliates are definitely more widespread than that, but not a national geographic footprint. Okay, great. So has the James Cancer Center, let's say in the past couple of years, experience any type of trends or pressures to shift from your hospital and outpatient clinics to other sites like a community site, a another non-affiliated infusion center? Absolutely. I, I do think there has been a strong push primarily driven by payers to move patient care, specifically the administration of oncology medications, either to a community site or a non-hospital affiliated clinic or home infusion center. Okay. And would you say, I guess, with the pandemic and some of the situations that patients are facing during the pandemic, would you say there has been an increase in patient requests or is it still mainly a payer-driven increase? It's still mainly a payer-driven increase. I will say at the beginning of COVID, we did have some hesitancy from our oncology patients to come in person. We actually transitioned some therapies back to the inpatient setting to avoid patients having to come back and forth and expose themselves to travel. We do have a lot of patients that travel to our center. And so we're very cognizant of the patient perspective during the height of the pandemic. 
I would say since the vaccine has become available, um, we've had very high uptake by our cancer patients and the majority are strongly preferring to return to in-person visits and receiving their care at our institution where they have a high level of confidence in, in the providers. Okay. So would you say then as the vaccine has become available that your overall patient volume has rebounded to pre-pandemic levels? Absolutely. It's higher than pre-pandemic levels. Oh, really? So what would you attribute that increase to? Is it pent-up demand? I think that's an interesting question. I think it's a combination of pent-up demand combined with a steady growth curve that we've experienced really consistently over the past decade. So as you have more capacity and more demand, you mentioned that there's definitely been some payer pressures that's trying to shift your patients to another location. Do you have any sense of what percentage of your patients that you're experiencing this with? or any particular payers that's been more, I suppose, more keen on this shift than others? You know, that's an excellent question. I think if you review payers' clinical policies, you can definitely compare and contrast which payers are are pushing stronger for either white bagging policies or side of care policies and, and which medications they're implementing this for. I would say there are some payers that are certainly being more aggressive in their push towards either white bagging or specific side of care policies. So given this particular, I guess, pressure or trend, has your organization or is your organization considering a model to provide this care in the home setting? We are evaluating what could potentially be administered in the home setting. We are looking at the opportunity for us to provide that. I think the most important thing to remember is that while we want patients to have convenient and affordable care, we don't want to do that by sacrificing quality of care. So that's what we're in the process of evaluating. Okay. And would you mind sharing with us then what are some of the consideration or criteria your team is currently evaluating to better understand if this is a model that you want to advance? Clinical risk, I would say, is the most important consideration. With side of care challenges, we've had some experiences with outside infusion centers who were unable to provide the level of care that we believe is appropriate for a cancer patient. One example, we had a patient who was receiving rituximab. They started to have a reaction at an outside infusion center. The nurse at that center called our general clinic line, reached a non-healthcare provider, since that's who answers the general line to triage calls, and asked them what they should do. What medication should we give? The patient is reacting in front of us. That was really eye-opening for us. You know, we think scenarios in which a higher risk medication is being administered, it's really pertinent that there be the appropriate protocols in place. Medical staff needs to be trained on how to navigate these complex medications from preparation to administration to monitoring and treatment of reactions or toxicities as appropriate. So it's very complex to think about administering these in the outpatient setting and and lots of clinical risk to think about and associate with that evaluation. Okay. So 
In your evaluation so far, have you or your team been able to identify particular treatments or even regimens that may be more suitable for home infusion? I think the easiest answer to that is supportive care medication. So a lot of our oncology patients may need some type of supportive care that could be low risk and easily providable in the home setting. And so that's where we're starting our evaluation. Certainly we're, we're open to thinking about what other treatment modalities may be able to be provided in the home, but certainly proceeding with caution with the patient's clinical interest being at the center of that conversation. Okay. So, um, I'm sure uh, you're aware that you do have several other peer institutions out there that have started to pilot some of these home infusion programs. For example, Penn Medicine, with their Cancer Care at Home, had published some information that they were using, and it sounded like they were kind of testing different regimens at the opposite end of the spectrum. Something simple like a lupulide to something a more complex, like an EPOC treatment. Is that something that you guys are considering or thinking about piloting? We're not considering piloting that at this point, but we certainly remain open-minded. I think there are a few things that are really key if you're going to pilot a program like that. Staff training, the connection back to the cancer center and the treating physician, EMR integration and connected documentation, as well as the nursing geographical footprint, I think are all keys to the ability to successfully implement a program like that. Okay. So as you mentioned, there are some of these operational challenges as well. You mentioned staffing, nursing schedules, and training. Can you maybe give us an example of how home infusion might bring this additional complexity to some of the operations that you're looking at? Absolutely. So for example, for us, we do a typically do a toxicity assessment in clinic prior to administration of the medication, which frequently leads to a dose reduction. And so if you're doing that clinical assessment prior to administration, if the medication has been pre-prepped for home administration, then it makes it a little bit challenging to change the dose in the moment based on the patient's reports of toxicity, laboratory values, et cetera. So it's certainly something to think about. How would you associate the toxicity assessments? Who would be responsible for that? How does that information get back to the treating hematology hematologist or oncologist? How does it get back to the pharmacist who's reviewing those therapies? And what's the training level of, of all the parties involved in those scenarios? Then when we think about the operation and the staffing challenges, a key question would also be what are some of the economic factors or impact you guys might be considering as well? Yes. You know, economics wise, from a staffing perspective, it's a little bit easier logistically to train a staff of nurses, for example, to consistently provide toxicity assessments, easier to consistently train a a team of pharmacists who are centrally located to the patients versus if you think about side of care challenges, now you're passing on that 
final review of the patient, perhaps to someone who's not associated with your organization. And so you have limited ability to assess their competency. If you think about the model in which you are providing that service yourself in the home, you still have to have a pretty large geographical footprint to be able to do that, which means a new model for training your nurses who may not be centrally located to your organization new model for how you get the medications logistically to those locations for the patient to have access to those. So lots of challenges associated with additional training and procurement and distribution of medications that certainly could result in an increased cost. Okay, that's very helpful. And what about the reimbursement side of things? Because you are now shifting your care from a hospital clinic to an in-home care. How does that impact the provider? I think in the home setting, if the organization is providing it in the home, when you think about reimbursement, you may not see as big of a shift in the reimbursement model. Certainly, it's important to be cautious about what your reimbursement model looks like in the home. However, I think the more concerning area is the the push for side of care shift to an organization that's not your own, which results in not only extra work by the provider in terms of communication with an outside center, follow-up, sending orders, receiving information back from an outside center that's not in your electronic medical record. So mm-hmm. extra work, but then, of course, less reimbursement because you're doing all the work except, you know, compounding and administering the medication. You mentioned earlier that you guys are seeing a rebound in volume and more demand and more patient needs. Are these factors a potential driver in considering home infusion since your capacity is probably more limited now with the higher demand? Absolutely. I think the more that we can do to expand access for patients, certainly the better. I say that though with the caveat that, you know, we want to make sure that that quality of care continues for the patients. And, you know, as I described, it's pretty complex to think about going from a model in which everything is centralized on site, a very efficient model where we're turning over infusion chairs pretty quickly. The nursing staff is very disease specific. They're very accustomed to seeing a specific type of patient even. So for example, at our breast cancer center, all of those nurses constantly see breast cancer. They're using the same medications. They're very familiar with the toxicity associated with that. They have easy access to the treating oncologist if there's a question. And so operationalizing a model in which the patient is now much further from that expertise, you can't have a breast cancer nurse administering a medication necessarily in every geographical area that our breast cancer patients would be coming from. So that's really interesting. So if you have a nurse that is highly specialized in breast and a particular type of medication, if you were to shift to a home infusion type model, I guess, how would that even work? Would you have to then staff up on your nurses just because they can't travel to all of those geographic areas? That's a great question and, and and probably one of the reasons that we haven't solved the idea of, of home infusion for all of our cancer patients. So, you know, I think cancer care is complex, certainly disease-specific cancer care and 
clinical trial, cancer care becomes even more complex. While home infusion certainly sounds convenient, really thinking through what it would take to replicate the patient-centered model that we built over the years into a format that doesn't increase costs. Since I, I do think that, you know, one of our goals as a cancer community should be how do we limit or decrease the cost of cancer care? Because I do believe that the growth we've seen is unsustainable. However, we don't want to sacrifice providing excellent quality patient care in the process. I'm just curious from your perspective, as I mentioned, there have been several other sort of institutions who have piloted home infusion programs at Penn, at Johns Hopkins, at Huntsman, for example. What do you think are the key components that make it possible for those institutions to take on a home infusion pilot? I think staff training, connection back to the cancer center, that integrated EMR and documentation, as well as that nursing geographical footprints are all key to to any home infusion program success. So you mentioned integration into the EMR. Do you mean that the home infusion either unit or service line needs to be able to redo particularly either the order sets or their care path in your EMR in order for everyone to understand the patient care? Or can you elaborate a little bit on that? Absolutely. So I think utilizing the same EMR, given the home infusion module or suite within that EMR, so that there's integrated documentation of that patient's oncology care is really key to success. Okay. So then is that more feasible if, for example, these institutions actually have their own home infusion unit versus a third party? Exactly. You had mentioned on the onset that clinical and safety issues are your main concern. So would it be fair to say, in addition to all of your internal training and staffing, that without, let's say, a hospital home infusion arm, it would probably be very difficult to integrate something like home infusion into your service? Yes, Holden. I think the organizations that have had the most success in this area already have a strong infrastructure associated with home infusion, or they have really close partners that they've utilized within home infusion that have some of that ability in terms of EMR integration. Okay, great. So you had mentioned earlier that home infusion might be just right now best suited for supportive care. So is this a a possible stepping stone to be able to integrate some of the supportive care needs of patients at a home level without going full into therapeutic treatments? Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. Are there other challenges or, I guess, concerns about home infusion we didn't cover? For example, have you sensed any patient hesitancy on receiving care in the home? 
Absolutely. We've had patients that their payer has tried to push things to either an outside home infusion or to either to an outside infusion center or to a home infusion setting, something like IVIG, for example. And Mm -hmm. we get a lot of patient commentary and questions. Who are these people? What do they know about me and my cancer? What training do they have? How do I have confidence in the care that they're providing to us? So I do think that cancer patients in particular are very astute in regards to who's providing their cancer care. And they want to know that they are going to be receiving the same level of care that they would receive at the James in another location if that's what's being required. So patients have been very active and very vocal in this space. And so with this patient hesitancy, how has the payers responded to that? Is the patient advocacy or patient concern enough for the payers to make exceptions or revise their policy? I do think that the payers listen when the patients are vocal to the payers. And I commend the payers who listen to their patients and really hear them when they say, this is my oncologist, this is where I want to receive my care. As we have just heard, hospital networks are experiencing increased payer pressures to shift treatment care from the hospital outpatient centers to lower cost sites. Although practices like home infusion offer certain conveniences for patients, most providers are still weighing the benefits against the safety and operational risks. However, most are also watching with interest networks piloting home infusion and home care models to continue their own evaluation of offering such a service. As providers continue to grapple with home infusion possibilities, Manufacturers have the opportunity to support the providers with information on how to manage patients in different settings, side effects management, and other strategies to monitor patients remotely. If you'd like to discuss what this topic means for your organization, please reach out to Proximity Health at www.proximityhealth.us. Thank you for listening.